M A I N M U N U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for the week of November 9 through November 15, 2012. I'm your host, David Tanner, and very glad to have you with us here today on Main Menu. We are always pleased to have you coming back if you are a regular listener to Main Menu. If this is your first time listening to Main Menu, welcome in, and we hope you'll continue to come back and listen to us every week. We try to give you as much information as we can in an hour and keep you up to date with the latest going on in the technology and assistive technology field. This week on Main Menu, we have three different features. The first, executive producer for Main Menu, Chase Crispin, interviews Larry Skukan from American Printing House for the Line, and they are going to be talking about some of the newest products from American Printing House, and you'll want to hear all about the new products and what they have to offer you. And then David Woodbridge from Vision Australia comes along with two segments for us. First, David's going to talk to us about the September 2012 release of new software for the Apple TV and demonstrate some of those changes that are going to improve your voiceover access to Apple TV and give you more functionality and how you can deal with the Apple TV. And then David comes back and will show us how the AirPlay feature is implemented in Mountain Lion on your Mac. And that's today here on Main Menu. Coming up in the near future, we're going to have some more Windows 8 overview and demonstration. And we'll also be hearing more about the driverless vehicles in the near future and there will be a demonstration and review of text detective an ios app for your ios device be it iphone itouch or ipad and that's coming up here in the just the next few weeks on main menu so you want to be sure to be around and catch up with all of the latest here on main menu right now let's get into this week's coverage and you have a great week we'll see you back here again next week on main menu All of us here on the Main Menu team consider your thoughts, questions, suggestions, and any other feedback that you may have very important. To interact with us on the show, you can send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. If you would like to find past show archives and more information about Main Menu, you can visit our website at mainmenu.acbradio.org. If you would like to interact with us on Twitter and see all the latest show news, you can follow us by visiting www.twitter.com slash mainmenu or by following at mainmenu. If you would like to receive show announcements in your inbox and interact with other Main Menu listeners, you can subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list by sending a blank email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. If you're interested in other ACB Radio programming besides Main Menu, you can learn more about ACB Radio by visiting 
www.acbradio.org. If you would like to receive Main Menu as a weekly podcast, you can do so by subscribing to the Main Menu podcast feed with the URL http slash 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 rss.php. You can also hear us by subscribing to Main Menu in the iTunes Store or by finding us in the iBlink radio app made by Serotech for iOS and Android-powered devices. Finally, we are heard on radio reading services from all over the world. The radio reading service in your state or country may already be carrying Main Menu every week. If you would like to receive announcements about the latest ACB radio programming news, including Main Menu, you can subscribe to the ACB radio announce-only mailing list by sending an email to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. Finally, if you would like to interact with listeners of all ACB radio programs, you can subscribe to the ACB radio friends list by sending a blank email to friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. Anytime that you have any comments, questions, or suggestions that you would like us to hear, Please get in touch with us. Hello, Main Menu listeners. This is Chase Crispin, and I am speaking with definitely a familiar voice throughout the blind community, throughout podcasting, and throughout assistive technology. So this is a person that all of you are familiar with, and we are talking today about some pretty cool new technology. So, Larry Skootkon from the American Printing House for the Blind, welcome back to Main Menu. Well, thank you so much, Chase. It's really a pleasure to be here, and uh, um, I'm really excited for uh, you being able to uh, run Main Menu like this and doing such a great job, and uh, appreciate you uh, having me on here for an interview and and appreciate all all of your uh, listeners as well so yeah we have we really do have some pretty exciting technology to talk about i'm looking forward to uh, discussing it with you so let's start with the braille plus 18 since that's kind of the newest one um can can you kind of just give us an idea of kind of the background of the braille plus 18 and there's already been a demo here on Main Menu of it but i think it'd be a good idea to just kind of talk about where it came from and the basic concept of it Okay, sure, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, to give you the uh, long picture of it, um, it's uh, note-takers have been always kind of an interesting thing in the blind community. You know, the um, the Braille and Speak was the first guy out. Well, actually, even before that, um, it's really interesting being in such a progressive state like Kentucky. The uh, Kentucky Department for the Blind had had actually came up with a design for a note taker that fit in a VCR case, <laughs> if you can even remember what VCRs were. And it had a, a Braille display, and it was it was called the Pocket Braille. And, uh, of course, Blazy Engineering um, kind of uh, took that design and really ran with it uh, with, and, and came out with the Braille and Speak. I believe that was, what, probably mid-'80s or so. And ever since then, it's really kind of created an industry um, there's there's a fine line between what 
a blind person can really use effectively to create content with to write messages or emails or stories or whatever. And, you know, we we're all really fortunate in the last few years to have things like Android and Apple um, iPods and iPhones that we can actually use with some accessibility. But at the same time, there's still really a need for um, having something that a company can completely control as far as the Braille experience and um, the applications that run on it and really all aspects of it. And up to now, we've all the devices we've seen have run, all, all the specialized devices have run either on really a homegrown operating system, and as in the case of the Braille and Speak and the Pocket Braille. And in fact, I remember back in the uh, 80s, I, I worked on the operating system for the Pocket Braille. And it was uh, really more than I wanted to get into, into uh, low-level programming. But now, here in the last oh, five years or so, we've seen this explosion of mobile devices and operating systems that have evolved to take advantage of them. Um, but we haven't seen really great ways to input and control the devices as, as much as we would like as, as blind consumers. So, oh, about three or four years ago, um, it, many many people got together and decided, well, you know, if we could um, if we could make an, a, a device with a Braille keyboard and a and a Braille display that could run on Apple or Android, things would really be um, we'd have the best of both worlds. We we'd have this great keyboard that we could. Um, work and that uh, was to see the problem with touch screens as you well know chase is that you have to be you have to hear them to be able to use them effectively and you know even when you're typing you you pretty much need to hear the confirmation of the letters that you're touching and that's great for you know a couple words here and there but when you really want to use it to uh, do some writing or um, what have you it it becomes a, a burden pretty quickly so anyway we, uh, APH and Level Star, began working on this note taker. We'll call it, um, although it's really more aptly called uh, uh, an Android smartphone with a Braille keyboard and display and several specialized applications, or an Android tablet. You could call it because uh, it's it's a phone and a tablet, I guess you could say. And the advantage of that, of course, is that. Now we can do all the fine-tuning with Braille that we want. We have all the power to do the neat things that, well, like we did really on the first generation of the Braille Plus. But now we also have the support of a mainstream operating system and literally hundreds of thousands of applications that other people are writing to uh, run on these devices. And... uh, you know, about two months ago, we finally came out uh, with the Braille Plus 18. This is a very fast-moving technology, and so the whole idea of, of running Android on a device like this was to try to take advantage of, you know, some of the quick-moving, fascinating, useful tools that are developing, like optical character recognition and voice recognition and really image recognition, not not just characters, but actually the ability to recognize um, buildings and so forth like Google Goggles does. 
So, you know, if you have that combination of an operating system that is evolving quickly and is open source and has hundreds of thousands of applications and the ability to create specialized applications yourself for it, it, uh, you know, you pretty well have a, a winning combination there. So that's the philosophy behind Braille Plus 18, and uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be a good one. We're just getting started with it, and we've got um, a lot of a lot of neat and exciting things to do with it over the next months and years to come. So a lot of the concern with some of these specialized products, especially the ones in the past, has been that they start off running a popular operating system like maybe Windows CE or Windows Mobile, but they never really get upgraded. Can you talk a little bit about how Android will kind of allow the Braille Plus to keep with with Android and how you guys at APH and Level Star plan to kind of keep with Android upgrades? Well, we, we certainly hope to. Um, I can't say anything definite, but... Um, you know, as we were working on this device, there were actually two versions of Android that came out in the in the meantime, and and we already upgraded once during the process of development. So I imagine that a device like this will probably always be well. Hopefully, we can make it as little as a month behind the release of a new operating system. Um, the, the truth is, it's not a trivial task to upgrade an operating system, even even something as common as Android. And, you know, you can see evidence for that in the fact that many of the phone carriers take uh, months or, uh, you know, half a year or even a year to upgrade the handsets that they have out already. Usually what happens with an Android update is that a new piece of hardware is introduced with it, and it's really designed for that particular version of Android or Android is, um, you know, designed with that hardware in mind. So I don't think you'll ever see a Braille Plus 18 come out with a new version of Android before some, you know, fancy new thing that Google or Samsung comes out with. But I also don't think you'll ever see it get as far behind as using, a, you know, an operating system that's several years out of date, like like we see with Windows CE right now. And don't get me wrong, Windows CE, you know, it's a, it's a fine operating system for what it was designed for, but the world is um, changing pretty quickly. And with Android, you know, we really do want to try to keep up with that world because it's important for students and um, and professionals that are trying to be competitive in this fast-moving economy. So when people think of Android, they usually think of Android smartphones. And besides just being what people have come to think of as a note-taker, the Braille Plus 18 does have some extra functionality, including being a phone, as well as some GPS technology and some other things. Can you kind of tell us what is extra in Braille Plus 18 above and beyond what people have normally considered a note-taker? There's quite a few of them. Um... First, you know, let's let's talk about the simpler things. <clears throat> I don't think we've seen a note taker before with stereo microphones and stereo speakers. Um, we haven't seen one before with a, a camera and flash with OCR software built into it. So, um, for those of your listeners that don't really know what that means, I mean, we've seen a device like the Intel Reader that's a, a dedicated device that will let you scan a page, uh, whether it be a, a menu or a piece of mail or what have you, 
but to have it built right into the system with everything else is a first. It's nice, too, in that it's pretty easy to keep that kind of software updated and, and improving. Um, you also have a GPS receiver built into the device with a state-of-the-art GPS uh, software suite. I'm really excited about this, this program called Nearby Explorer that actually comes with it. You know, many times in the past, if you could get GPS with a note taker, it was a very expensive proposition. But in this case, it's um, included right in it. And it's um, really an interesting application because not only does it have already the maps of the United States and Canada, but if you're on a network such as a Wi-Fi or a cell data connection, it also communicates with the Google Places services, which is, uh, you know, I'm still learning about Google Places myself. I was just um, walking to work on, hmm, when was it? I think it was Thursday, or no, it was Friday the 2nd. And I noticed that there were a lot of new places just in my short little two-mile walk to work. I had noticed five updates just in that route. Wow. Really kind of, wow, you know, I, I know I would have noticed that before. In fact, one of them I had commented on a couple of times, and one of them had changed its name in the last month or two. Um, so there's that integration with the online um, ability for Google to keep things updated. It's really interesting, too. Sorry to get off on a sidetrack here with the GPS, but we uh, we realized the other day, and I didn't even know this, but you can actually, a sighted person go, can go to google.com slash map view and adjust where the points of interest are. So you can, one of our guys in our office moved the Kroger point of interest right to the front door of the Kroger. So Rob had set a mark at the, at the uh, front door, but you know, a favorite in the program so he could find it. But now the official one is right there at the front door. So, yeah, there's that places integration. That is that is a, a feature that really the technology is just now able to um, present to us. That and the ability to publish your places. So if you mark uh, something that's not been marked before, you can actually publish it and other users of Nearby Explorer will be able to um, see them. And one guy on the beta list the other day commented that that'd be a great way to do with, um, you know, when you go to a convention or something or one of the consumer conventions to mark various areas <clears throat> if they're not already marked. Um, that the, the transit feature in Nearby Explorer integrates with Google Transit, which gives current uh, public trans transit schedules and routes in a really accessible way. In fact, in Nearby Explorer, you can just pick the transits option on the menu, and it'll actually list out the bus stops that are within 350 yards of you and when the next bus comes and which direction it's going. So it's a pretty real-time experience. So there's the GPS, and I'm sorry I got a little sidetracked on that. It's just exciting to be able to see that you can do this kind of thing in a, in a portable device like this so excessively. Um, it, it comes with a digital talking book reader that integrates with Bookshare. Um, it, it will play in LS and RFB or a learning ally um, once we get it uh, finalized, and there'll be free upgrades until that is finalized. And, of course, they have to be approved by those two organizations. But 
we've got a pretty good amount of experience in um, writing these things, so we pretty well know what we're doing there. Um, in addition to that, it's got, uh, well, a recorder. I think many of the note takers have had recorders. Um, you know, with uh, with Android 2.3, when you got it on a smartphone, it was a pretty disappointing experience because the browser was inaccessible. And uh, so much of the Android system is uses browser or web views to display results of information, uh, searches, or very, you know things you look up. This browser is actually a really great browser, and once it's made accessible, like we did here on the Braille Plus, it uh, is, I think, one of the better browsing experiences of any, even on a desktop computer. It um, is pretty snappy, and it's, it's, it's just pretty amazing. It supports some of the newer HTML features and plugins. And one of my favorite plugins, in fact, is Readability. And I, I use it on the Mac too, where it you know you get a web page and it strips out all the uh, clutter, it just gives you the the main sort of focus of the page. It can't do it on every page, of course, but <laughs> it does a does a really good job. So those are those are the kind of the things that you would see uh, over and above what you had expected to see on a note taker from yesterday. So we've talked quite a bit about the GPS. Now, a lot of people are going to be wondering, and we've actually got a few questions about this already here at our main menu uh, email address. Is the Nearby Explorer GPS going to be made available for people just using Android phones or tablets to use, or is it just exclusive to the Braille Plus? No, we will be making it available as an app for the Android market. Um... I don't know exactly when that'll be. We're still touching it up for a few things on the phone. It's a little bit different using it on a device like this that's got arrow keys and using it on a touch screen. So we've still got a few little interface issues we're ironing out to um, make sure it works on, well, I mean, it already works on uh, ice cream sandwich and jelly bean, but we could make it work better. Yes, the short answer is, yeah, it'll be available on um the Android market for other devices as well. I don't have a price for it, though. I expect it'll be less than $100, but you know what? I shouldn't even say that. I'm I'm never really good with uh, prices that these will be, so let's leave it at uh, we don't really know. <laughs> Comparable with whether, what others are in the market. That's good because it's so powerful that it'll be nice to get that out to people who you know don't want to buy the Braille product for whatever reason, so that's a pretty good thing. We've already said that the Braille Plus can be used as a cell phone, but as a lot of people have guessed, because it has a built-in Braille display, it's not large, but it's a bit large to be held to your ear as a phone. Can you kind of explain how APH intends this to be used in terms of a cell phone? The way, uh, there's several ways to do it. Um, I I use it most often, actually, with earbuds and the built-in microphones on it. Um, you could also use it with, um, uh, you know, just using it as a speakerphone with its speakers or a, a Bluetooth headset. So, um, you know, several, several ways you can use it. And you can put it up to your ear. It's got a earpiece there in the place where you would expect. But it's, you know, it's larger than um, most what you would expect a phone to be. It's a small device, but it's still larger than, say, an iPhone. Although, um, the way these phones are getting bigger and bigger with their screens, this may be the uh, common thing. Although this is still thicker than than some of the bigger phones. (laughs) 
what carriers is it supporting right now? The GSM carriers, which in the uh, U.S. are T-Mobile and AT&T. Is there any CDMA support planned for the future? You know, the, the module that's in it um, already supports CDMA. We have still got some um, regulatory uh, FCC and uh, F- yeah, FCC uh, tests that we need to uh, bring it through. And once we do that, uh, you'll actually have to send your Braille Plus 18 back in to get it upgraded. It's not anything in the hardware, but one of the rules with the FCC is that we cannot upgrade the cell uh, module in the field like that. Uh, I guess they don't want things to go awry and bring their networks down or whatever. (laughs) But as Verizon people, do have hope to kind of use this with our plans? I'd say so within the next year or so, yeah. All right. Is there anything else before we move on to the book port that you would like to say about the Braille Plus 18? Um, I, You know, I think one of the most exciting things about it is, you know, it, it's low price. And some of you may laugh when you say, uh, well, $3,600 is not that low a price, but it's really not that bad of a price either for, um, you know, an integrated Braille display in a device like this. I wish, uh, you know, I wish we could sell 5 million of them and, and get the price down like Apple does. And um, it's just not, not possible. There's not, not that many of us out there. <laughs> Is there still plans for a smaller version of the Braille Plus without the Braille display, but with the same functionality? Is that still planned? You know, there is, Chase. What what are your thoughts about that? Is there is there really a market for such a thing like that that would come in around probably $2,000? Essentially, it would be a, an Android smartphone with a Braille keyboard on it. I think there would be, and of course, I have to say that that's my opinion. doesn't reflect ACB radios or anything like that. But as we've said, the Braille Plus 18 is a bit large to be held to your ear. So for people that really like portability and they want to truly use this as a phone... I think that would really be a good option. And there's also the factor that people already have Braille displays, and this is something that we saw with the original Braille Plus. People could connect whatever Braille display they had to the unit without a Braille display and use that, which cuts price if they have one already around the house that they want to use as a Braille display with the device. So if there is support for third-party Braille displays like the APH Refresher Braille, I think a voice-only model of the Braille Plus would be a really good thing. Sure, I agree. (laughs) All right, let's kind of uh, shift gears here and talk about the Bookport desktop, or as it's called, Bookport DT. This is another really new and exciting product. Can you kind of explain to us what the Bookport DT is? Yeah, and again, I'll give you the the kind of uh, longer history version. (laughs) Um, You know, APH has sold the cassette desktop recorder for years and years and it's been kind of the workhorse of many blind students but uh, so many of them you know find it the best way to take notes um, to record meetings or um, functions that they go to uh, but you know cassettes are, are gone we we all need to face that fact and in some ways it's Sad because the the cassette was very easy to use. It was a common denominator. You know, they all had a play key and a rewind and a fast forward and a stop and a record <laughs> and maybe a pause if you were lucky. Um, with the digital ones, you know, there's a, there's a little more flexibility, but with that introduces some complexity. 
Uh, what we tried to do with Bookport DT was to bring the experience of the uh, cassette desktop recorder, the simplicity to the digital arena while still giving you the benefits of the digital media, uh, being that, you know, better better quality uh, recording, uh, better abilities to insert and delete uh, material. And, and then at the same time, give you the ability with the wireless technology to um, obtain your reading material on the device without having to use a computer. And the uh, Bookport DT is actually the first device um, in the United States designed to take advantage of a protocol called DAISY Online. Now, DAISY Online is sort of a two-part deal. Uh, we have the client in the Bookport DT. Uh, we also have a server that we're working on at APH and is already set up to distribute Reader's Digest and Newsweek um, as soon as we get the NLS approval with it. And we have a couple other pretty uh, great ideas for obtaining content on it as well that you'll be seeing over the next few months. So the whole idea really is to give you a, a good, high-quality sounding device that records well and can operate independently from a computer. So you don't you don't even really have to uh, have or, or even know about computers to take pretty effective use of this thing. A lot of people are familiar with the Bookport Plus, which is a very small and portable player. So a lot of people are wondering, why would I want a desktop version of a player when I can have a portable version? Can you kind of explain maybe the advantages of a bigger player? Well, a lot of people like that whole room sound. Uh, and, uh, you know, at first uh, I was thinking the same thing. Why would you even, you know, you've got this that fits in your pocket. Why would you want something bigger? Um, not only is the sound of the speaker, but you've also got the NLS cartridge holder in the front of the device. So that's built right in. You can uh, get your recordings from NLS in the mail if you want to and put them right in there. Or you can get blank NLS recordings or, uh, sorry, NLS cartridges from places like APH and others and uh, make your own digital talking book um, cartridges if you want to. So you've got that and then the sort of the ergonomics of the keyboard itself. The, the whole thing's got a, well, the size of the play key is probably almost the width of the whole book port plus, so portable. <laughs> Bigger keys that are easier to find. This one, interestingly, also comes with a mask that can mask off uh, some of the more complex keys. So if you want to give it to... Someone with some dexterity problems or an older person that doesn't care about getting online or navigating chapter to chapter and so forth, they can pretty well use it just like a, a cassette recorder or a cassette player uh, without having to worry about any of the complexity. So those are, those are kind of key things with it. Now, there's some misconceptions going around that this is replacing the Bookport Plus, which is not. So I thought we, since we're here, we might as well just clarify that the Bookport DT is kind of a companion to the Bookport Plus, not a replacement for it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's never uh, never been a thought of discontinuing the Bookport Plus. It's uh, a great little device. Uh, I can see that some people will want both, and I can see where others might want one or the other. It, it's funny, when you come out with a new product like that, uh, 
people assume you're discontinuing something else, we kind of got the same reaction with the Braille Plus 18. You know, we had a lot of questions. Are you discontinuing the Refresher Braille? Well, no, absolutely not. The Refresher Braille, like the Bookport Plus, are still great products. They have a lot of years left in them. We um, we intend to continue um, selling them and actually continue development on them. What are some differences in terms of either hardware or software between the Bookport DT and the Bookport Plus? Well, the uh, Bookport DT um, has actually an Ethernet jack on it, too. So, you know, since it's bigger, it, it can do that. It also has Bluetooth headphone capabilities as far as the hardware part of it goes. Um, and, of course, bigger speaker. That's, that's sort of one of the, the givens. Software-wise, the Bookport DT has got um, the this new Daisy Online capability that I was just mentioning a little bit earlier, and sort of a, a, a more enhanced recording um, capability. So, uh, with the with the original Bookport Plus, it was a great recorder, but it was kind of difficult, or well, actually, you couldn't um, insert or sort of with the with the Bookport DT, you can actually treat it like a like a cassette device, you can hear it rewind and back up into your recording and then start to take off recording from there. So we tr- we really tried to make software do the kinds of things that you could do that you were used to on a cassette. Um, those are those are the main software differences. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's kind of a little bit um, interesting to talk about software differences, though, because I think you'll see those features migrating their way toward the Bookport Plus as well. So you can kind of consider the Bookport DT as um, sort of the the test bed, the um, place where new features are going to get introduced, and then they'll make their way to the Bookport Plus as well. Is there anything else that you would like to mention about the Bookport DT before we kind of start to wrap this up? I think you pretty well hit on uh, many of the features. Uh, What are some of your favorite things about it, Jace? I would just say that I really like the way that web radio works. You don't really have to mess with it. You get the station set up, you get your Wi-Fi or your Ethernet set up, and you just hit play and you're listening to your main menu show or your music or whatever you want to listen to. And the podcast works the same way. It just asks you if you want to download and you tell it yes, and it just goes and does its thing. And I just, I really just like how it you know, you don't have to kind of mess around with several steps. You just tell it to play, and it does whatever it has to do and just starts to do what you want it to do. I do, too. And, and you know, the interesting thing is the Bookport Plus does that, too. But the difference is that speaker. It's just nice to have it in the room where you can listen to the radio like that or a podcast and not have to worry about hooking it up to um, any kind of amplification or anything. I also like the internal memory so that there's there's space, you know, if you don't have your SD card with you or whatever, you can still record, you can still play some titles. If you put them on the internal memory, that's a pretty nice thing, too. Yeah, there's another difference in the hardware part from the uh, Bookport Plus. I, I failed to mention that, but you're right, that is a very handy uh, handy thing if you want to back up a, a cartridge or you just have one SD card. Yep, you're right. What is the pricing for the Bookport DT? 449 I believe. I believe that's right. Okay. Now, is there, since APH has such a wide and varied product line, is there anything you would like to mention in terms of any of your other products that we haven't really got to discuss here today? Well, we, we kind of mentioned the Refresher Braille 18, but I'll just go ahead and give people um, an overview of what it, what it is. 
Um, it's a it's a refreshable Braille display and keyboard that can connect with a, a variety of devices. Most commonly nowadays with the iOS devices, the iPhone, iPad, the uh, iPod Touch, and um, it it also works well with desktop computers. Um, but it's a great way to control and to read um, what's on your your uh, iPhone or or what have you. Um, it it runs pretty well a good week on a on a battery charge um, using it with an iPhone, and um, it's a much more reasonable price than trying to buy a, a whole Braille Plus 18, um, which the price is 16.95 for that. So it's it's really a good deal for a very well built uh, refreshable Braille display. Of course, we also have some really good software. I know you're a big fan of Studio Recorder, probably the best audio editing software ever written for a blind person's use, <laughs> and sighted people for that matter. And um, Money Talks, um, these are these are both applications that um, we've written at uh, APH. Money Talks is you can kind of think of it as um, a financial management a checking book program. But it has some really neat features that um, help you do a little bit of budgeting and projecting and all very accessible. It can be self-voicing, but it also works very well with JAWS and Window Eyes. We really would like to do some Mac versions of those two applications as well at some point. But um, not really going to say that we're doing that or not doing that. Um, but that's certainly something we've discussed. We've also got other applications like Book Wizard Producer, which is a program to let you create digital talking books. In fact, that's what we use in the studios there at American Printing House for the Blind to record um, over 500 titles a year for NLS. So when you hear a book that's recorded at APH, it's using Book Wizard Producer and Studio Recorder uh, when they when they actually create that book. We've also got um, some games that are worth checking out if you're into games. Uh, we try to make them educational. I think one of the most interesting one is Tootle Tiles. It um, works very much like Mahjong, and it's made accessible in a, in a unique way. Have you, have you tried that one, Chase? I haven't. It is. It is addictive and quite <laughs> challenging. So if you want to check out these games, you can go to www.mahjong.com tech.aph.org which is t-e-c-h.aph.org and is that where all the information is for the braille plus and the bookport products as well it is yep great well larry thank you for joining us here on main menu today as always it's been great talking with you and learning about all these cool new technology products and we hope to have you back here on main menu in the future all right thank you chase it's been real fun The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. Welcome to this demonstration for the update of the Apple TV of September 2012. 
And in this demonstration, I want to show you two things to do with the new updated Apple software on your Apple TV. The first one being you can now move icons around, similar to what you can actually do on your iOS device, i.e. iPhone, iPod Touch or iPad. So that's point one. And point two, I want to show you the new accessibility menu where you can actually turn on and off voiceover or captioning very quickly by holding down your menu key when you turn the accessibility menu on. So let me just say that I'm currently sitting at the home screen of my Apple TV. I've got voiceover currently running and of course I've installed the update already. Of course going through settings, general and then software update. So the first thing I want to show you is how to move icons around on your home screen. And I'm actually going to do two examples. I'm actually going to move podcast to the first item in the home screen, followed by the radio icon. So at the moment, I'm just going to press my left arrow to see if I'm on the first icon of my home screen. Trailers, button, four of 11. Okay, let me go to the left. Okay, and of course I'm using the Apple remote with the left arrow to move to the left. Okay, I'm going to press the down arrow on the remote. Video, button, six of 11. Move to the right. Podcasts, button, seven Okay, now what I'm going to do now is hold down the play pause, of course, which is in the middle of the up, down, left and right arrows. If I hold it down for one second. In moving mode, press directional buttons to move. Okay, so it says in moving mode, press directional buttons to move. So I'm going to press the up arrow and you can hear what it says. Move to the left of MLBTV. Okay, so it says move to the left of and the current icon. So I'm going to press the left arrow key. Move to the left of iTunes Festival. Okay, move to the left of iTunes Festival, and that's exactly where I want it. So I'm going to press the play pause key again to basically complete the moving action. And moving on. Okay, so now if I press the right arrow key. iTunes Festival, button 2 of 11. Okay, iTunes Festival 2 of 11, press the left arrow key. Podcasts, button 1 of 11. Okay, there's my podcasts. Let's go and do the same for the radio icon. So I press the down arrow to go down to the next row. YouTube, button, 6 of 11. Press the right arrow key. Video, button, 7 of 11. Right arrow key again. Radio, button, 8 of 11. Okay, there's the radio. Hold down the pause play button in until it says moving mode. In moving mode, press directional buttons to move. Okay, I'm going to press the up arrow key. Move to the left of MLBTV. And left. Move to the left of iTunes Festival. And that's exactly where I want it. So I'm going to press the play pause button again, hold it in. And moving on. Okay, so if I press the right arrow key. iTunes Festival, button, 3 of 11. Press the left arrow key. Radio, button, 2 of 11. Okay, there's my radio and left key again. Podcasts, button, 1 of 11. Okay, and there's podcasts. So basically in moving mode, you hold down the play pause button in the middle of the round circle. Wait till it says movie mode, and then of course use the up, down, left or right arrows or keys to move to your desired spot on the grid. And then press the play pause button again until it says out of moving mode. Okay, so that's the first point I wanted to show you about the moving mode in the new Apple TV software update. The second one is the new accessibility menu. Now I'm just going to show you what the current menu key does when you hold it in. So I'm just going to go to the main menu part of the Apple TV from the home screen. Just going to press the menu button once. Of course that's below your arrow keys and it's the left hand button on the remote. Press it once. Okay, I'm actually going to go over to settings, so I'm just going to press the right arrow key. TV show, music, computers, settings, 
button. Now press play pause in the middle. Or okay. In settings, general button one of seven. Let me go into general by pressing the OK or play pause button again. In general, about button 1 of 15. Okay, now what happens usually when you just press the menu key once, it takes you back to the previous menu. And of course, if you hold the menu key in like I'll do now. In main menu, settings, button 5 of 5. I've come back to the main menu screen and I'm currently sitting on the settings icon because that's where we were when we first went into it. But if we now go in and turn accessibility menu on, so I'm going to press the OK or play pause button in the settings. In settings, general button 1 of 7. OK, so play pause or OK button on general. In general, about button 1 of 15. I'm going to press the down arrow key to come down to accessibility. Name, network, parental, remotes, update software, time zone, sleep after, send data to app, language, accessibility. Button 11 of 15. Okay, there's accessibility. Press the OK or play pause button again. In accessibility. Voice over. On. Button 1 of 4. Okay, it's voice over. Down arrow. Speech rate. Speech Slow. rate. Down button. again. Use pitch. On. Use pitch. Button. Down again. Clear. Accessibility menu. Off. Button 4 of 4. If I just pause. To access accessibility options, hold down the menu button. Okay, and it just gives us some inf extra information on the help. Can I press the OK button? Accessibility menu. On. Button. 4 and 4. Okay, it's now on. Now if I hold down the menu key. 1 of 1. Return to main menu. Button. 1 of 3. Okay, so the first option is return to menu because that's always the first option in the menu when you're in a sub-menu. If I press the down arrow key. Voice over. Selected. Button. 2 of 3. Okay, I can turn voice over on or off and down again. Close captions. Button. And I can turn closed captioning on or off. So I'm just going to go back up to the first option. Just going to press the up arrow. Voice over. Return to main menu. And I'm going to choose button. return to main menu one by pressing three. the OK or play pause button again. In accessibility. In main menu. Settings. Button. Five and five. Okay. And we're back to the main menu of the Apple TV. So now, as I said before, if I hold down the menu key. One of one. Voice over. Selected. Button. One of two. As you can tell, we've only got two menus now. We've got voice over. Close and close captioning button. because we're not two in a sub-menu. So if I go up arrow and I'll turn button. voiceover two. off by pressing the OK or play pause button. Voice over off. Okay, if I press the left arrow key, hear it beeping and we've got no speech. So to get speech back, hold down the menu key and I normally just count for a second. And I'm just going to press the play pause button or the OK button because that's the first option in the menu which should now be voiceover. So I'm going to press the OK now. Voice over on in main menu. Movies button one of five. Okay, so we're currently on movies. That's where I moved left to when we had the voiceover turned off. It's going to press the right arrow key. TV shows button. And let's go into TV shows. Purchase one of seven. Purchase. And we'll go into purchased. In purchase TV shows. All TV shows. Fifteen button two of six. Okay, so now if I press and hold down the menu key. One of one. Return to main menu button one of three. Okay, so as you can hear, we've now got three options again. The return to main menu. Voice over. Voice over. Select close captions. And close captions button. again. So three if I turn voice over off this time, so I'm going to press the up arrow. Voice over. Turn voice over off. Button. Voice over off. Okay, if I press the right arrow key, okay, I've got no speech. But this time, because I'm in a sub menu, if I hold down the menu key, again for one second, now if I press select now, I'm actually just going to return to the main menu. 
but I'm going to do is press the down arrow key once, press OK, I'll play pause button again, over on. and I've got voice over back. TV shows. Okay, so I'm going to hold it in the menu 15, key. Button one of one. Return to main menu. Button one of three. Okay, return to main menu. I'm going to select that's the first option. Okay, I'll play pause. In purchase TV show in main menu. TV shows. Button two of five. And we're back to the menu of the Apple TV. So that concludes the second point about the accessibility menu. The main thing to remember is that when you're in a sub menu, you're going to get an extra item on top of that accessibility menu, which is return to main menu. Of course, the second choice would then be voiceover. The third choice is captioning. When you're at the main Apple TV screen, then the first choice in the accessibility menu is voiceover. The second choice is captioning. So those were the two main options I wanted to talk about in this brief demonstration, i.e. moving icons around on your Apple TV home screen and the ability to be able to now toggle through the accessibility menu voiceover or captionings on or off. If you've got any other questions about Apple accessibility, please contact the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. Welcome to this demonstration of using voiceover and mountain line. In this demonstration, I want to show you a really cool new feature, which is using your Apple TV on your network, where your Mac also just happens to be, and you can display whatever is on your Mac, so both sound and visual, over to your Apple TV, plus, of course, voiceover in my case. And as has already been stated on quite a few places on the net, some Macs will not support this feature depending on how old they are. The Mac I'm currently using came out earlier this year, so it's currently working with this new feature. But I would suggest that you check with Apple or on the internet to see if your Mac currently supports this feature. So before we dive into it, let me just say that my MacBook Pro is turned on. VoiceOver is running, and as usual, let's start from a known spot on the Mac by going to the desktop with Shift VOD or Shift Control Option D, which is the VO keys, Control and Option keys. So I'll do that now. Shift VOD. Desktop, Dropbox, alias. Okay, so I've currently got my Apple TV turned on. I'm actually just going to grab my remote and I'm just going to press my right arrow key. TV shows, button. Yep, my Apple TV is currently turned on, and it's on my same network. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to access my status menu. Now, the status menu has actually changed now in VoiceOver accessibility-wise. It's now called the Extras menu. So if I do VOM twice or Control Option M twice. Menu Extras. Dropbox 1.4.7 new line. All files up to date. Menu Extra. There's my Dropbox menu. I'm going to do VO right arrow, Control Option right arrow. Displays, comma, AirPlay off, menu extra. Okay, that's my Displays menu. That comes up now because my Apple TV is currently active on my local network at home. So I'm going to do VO spacebar to go into the menu, or Control Option spacebar. Net, displays, comma, AirPlay off, menu four items. Okay, VO down, Control Option down arrow. AirPlay mirroring, colon, off, dimmed. Okay, it's currently off. VO down, control option down arrow. Living room Apple TV. Okay, there's my living room Apple TV. Come down again. Toy room. 
That's the toy room where I'm currently sitting doing this demonstration in my boys' toy room while they're at school. If I did down again. Open displays preferences ellipsis. That's open displays preferences down again. Open okay. displays preferences ellipsis. So I want to send my display out to my Apple TV. So I'm going to do VO upper up and shop option upper arrow. Toy room. And VO spacebar. Living room Apple TV. Okay, and now as you can hear, we don't no longer have voiceover running through my mixer. If I now do VOF2 to find out what window I'm in, or control option F2. Menu extras. Okay, we're still on the extras menu, but I'm now sending speech and a whole display out to my Apple TV. So I'm going to come out of the menu by just pressing the escape key. Dropbox alias. Selecting alias. Okay, and I'm back on my desktop. Okay, so whatever I'm now doing on my Mac will now come through my Apple TV and as I said will also be displayed. So if I did VOD for Doc or Control Option D for Doc. Doc. System preferences 11 of 23. Launch pad. Just doing VO right arrow. Mission control 13 of 23. VO left arrow. Launch pad 12 of 23. System preferences 11 of 23. Okay, press escape. Finder, desktop, Dropbox alias. Selecting alias. And of course, if I ran the voiceover quick start tutorial, which is VO command F8 or control option command F8. Welcome back. Welcome back to the voiceover quick start. To resume where you left off, press the right arrow key. To start at the beginning, press the left arrow key. Okay, so that's going through my Apple TV still, which is the voiceover quick start. Press the escape key. Voiceover on voiceover. Voiceover audio dialogue. VoiceOver is configured to output over airplay period. Would you like to continue or revert to the default audio output question? Okay, so it's asking me do I want to revert, so I'm going to do VR right or control option right arrow. Revert button, continue. I want to continue button. the Apple TV. Finder, desktop, Dropbox alias, selected alias. Okay, now that's an interesting point that it's just brought up then, is that the system will ask you in some circumstances what you want to do with voiceover as far as piping it out to the Apple TV or as it just did then it came back through my local internal speaker on my Mac and that's where I got that prompt about reverting or continuing and of course if I played iTunes so I'm actually going to just do function key F8 okay I'm going to do VO F8 to stop it playing Okay, and we've still, of course, got voiceover going through the Apple TV. I'm going to do VO or Control Option F1. Finder, find running applications. Okay, now I want to show you a really nice thing if you want to do it yourself. I'm actually going to bring up the voiceover utility, which is VO F8 or Control Option F8. Opening voiceover utility, voiceover utility window, utility categories, table, row one. Okay, so my voiceover utility has come up with local speech, but I'm still piping everything out as far as the system is concerned, to my Apple TV. So if I was to play iTunes again, function F8, okay, that's still iTunes and everything else still going through the Apple TV. It's just that I've got local audio now back on my Mac. I want to get down to sound, so I'm going to do SO for sound. Sound. Okay, VR right arrow, control option right arrow. Mute sound effects, unchecked, enable positional audio, check checkbox, output device calling. System default, output device calling, pop-up button. Okay, so output device, system default. 
I may have an intro with that with VO spacebar, I'll control option spacebar. Menu three items check mark, system default. VO dinner, control option dinner. Built dash in output. That's built in output. USB audio codec. USB audio codec, which is basically my mixer stroke headset at the moment, so I'm going to do VO spacebar. Interact with dialog for window, okay. voiceover utility, confirm new audio setting, confirm new audio setting. Click confirm to use the new audio setting period. Click revert to revert to the previous audio setting period. Okay, we'll auto- click confirm will automatically revert and set revert confirm button. Confirm via Closing bar. dialog. Okay, so now I've got speech running through my headset. And if we play iTunes again with function key F8. Okay, that's still got everything still going through the Apple TV. It's now because I've got my audio change with voiceover. I can now do presentations by having the display sent out to the Apple TV, but I can actually use voiceover on my Mac. Okay, so I can go back to my desktop with Shift VOD. Desktop, Dropbox alias, okay, selected alias. Voiceover still coming through my mixer stroke headset. Go to the applications folder. Applications. Now in applications window. List view table. Okay, and so on. So now if I want to go and turn the feature off, where I don't want to actually get anything going through my Apple TV, I can access the extras menu again with VOM or control option M. Menu bar Apple. Menu extras. Dropbox 1.4.7. Displays comma. And VO down, control option down. Airplay mirroring colon. Toy room. Dimmed. Turn off airplay mirroring. Okay, I want to turn it off, so VA spacebar, control option spacebar. Divider. Okay, and you can tell my Apple TV is just reverted to itself. And I'm back to my normal Mac. So that concludes this demonstration of the Apple TV airplaying feature with Mountain Lion using VoiceOver. As I demonstrated, you can send your display stroke audio stroke voiceover out to your Apple TV and you've also got the ability with voiceover to change the sound back to in my case my local headset using my mixer so that your sound for voiceover is just coming through your local machine which means for presentations in particular you don't have the speech coming over the top of your presentations particularly if you're doing an audio visual presentation using AirPlay on your Mac. I hope you've enjoyed this demonstration. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week, and we'll see you soon.